We're back on Talking TV. It's me, Dom, the movie nerd. I feel like you guys should like know that at this point, but I don't know. To my right, as per always, Chris, TVN. TV nerd. Oh, you're officially going to go by TV nerd now? Because we need the merchandise line. So oh, you're right. The movie nerd no, you're merchandise right. line and the TV no, nerd right. merchandise line. You're absolutely right. So I right. guess like, you know, my Twitter handle down the line might be TVN if I can't get the full TV nerd, but like... It's sort of like with this movie, they want you to say the whole bullshit title. Oh uh, yeah, I'm so not saying So you gotta say that. my whole I, that, bullshit that's the one title. Thing I will, that's the one thing I will give you. I'm not saying that goddamn fucking title. I I wrote my letterbox review. I've said, and now we're on to Harley Quinn and put in parentheses. I'm like, I am not saying that goddamn fucking long title. I'm sorry. Like, it's already bad enough that these movies try to make me say their long ass title in order to try and like I don't know make themselves more important. But it's like, guys. You're just hurting yourself in the long run. Like, they expect me to say, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, or Solo, a Star Wars story. And, like, those I are get it, short, that's though. shorter, I'm but it's honest, like, no prepared. one's going to call them that. They're just going to say Rogue One or Solo. Like, just give yeah. it a rest. Like, if it, like and, and not to give to shit on the great man himself, George Lucas, but it's like, Star Wars, Episode One, whatever. It's like, buddy, it's Star Wars. Just leave it at that. Like, come on. You're just, you're just you're not helping yourself you're on here. That, you're on that basis with George Lucas, huh? Well, I'm, I'm on... My, my relationship with George Lucas changes on a daily basis. It's about as inconsistent as the movie that we were about to talk about. And that's yeah, the one that thing that true. I will give you. But first, I gotta introduce... We got another guest, people. We've had a decent amount of guests coming through the talking TV doors lately. A lot more than I actually thought we were gonna get when we first started this episode. Yeah. But I'm proud. And, guy... Introduce yourself, please, to guy, the talking TV is audience. Not yeah. guy. I don't know. I, I don't know why I do that. I always have that thing where it's like any guy that I like, I don't, I don't really You're just know guy. as well. I'm just like, I just say guy. Nobody well, usually notices. I so. get it though because you want to give him the power of saying his name exactly. for the first time on it's the podcast. Guy exactly. I'm trying to give the power back it's to not. the wielder. You know, if anything, I'm trying to help him. Okay, well, helping is Dom to me, Joey. My name is Joey here. Go by NY Average Joe on Twitter. I am not a big talking nerd. Uh, but I am a very nerdy person. I love all that kind of shit. So I'm here to talk about the Birds of Prey, Harley, the want the emancipation of one Harley Quinn, the fabulous emancipation, fabulous and the fabulous emancipation of one yeah, Harley of Quinn. One Harley Quinn. There, we said it, DC. It's fucking dumb. God damn it, we <laughs> said your fucking long ass bullshit title. Well, she wrote it. It's like when she wrote her business right. card inside. But, but like. She wrote this on top of Birds of about Pie. that. If we're yeah. just gonna, yeah, here's the thing about that. Like, I don't blame them because from a marketing standpoint, like, I get it. It's it, it's very emblematic of the character, but like, again, it's just you're, you're, it was you're, definitely a Harley Quinn. Movie. You're, you're, yeah, it's very a Harley Quinn. It's it's a Harley Quinn move, I would say. That's true. But it's like, come on, guys, what are you doing? Like <laughs> Aquaman, Shazam, Man of Steel, <laughs> Wonder Woman. You were already asking a lot. <laughs> you, had of, it. <laughs> you were already asking a lot of people when you said Batman versus Superman, and then you had to tack on the little Dawn of Justice. It's like, guys, you you had it. So Nobody was ever with... not going to call it Batman versus Superman. Like, come on. So you're happy with WW84 for the next Wonder Woman? I mean, I was just going to call no, it. Uh, uh, that's well, the dumbest. No, <laughs> Wonder Woman Stranger 84 rolls five? off the title. It's like, say the thing. And then see how it flows. That's the key. Flow. Rhythm. It's got to have like like that perfect, the like what's that called? Dynamic pentameter? I don't know. It's been a while since I've been in school. But the point being, it has to flow off the tongue, you know? Yeah, and yeah. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Perfect. I'm sorry. You that's fucking... Shut it. up. Shut up. I'm just, God damn it. Don't, don't Honestly, give me credit this, for... this movie should have been called Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Yeah, thank you. Thank Where you. Was that? Seriously. Like, true. If Margot Robbie is going on all these talk shows right now and making all these appearances about how she she also was such a key role in the production and being a producer. Doesn't that look bad for her? That yeah. like all that marketing money, Warner Brothers, they couldn't have figured out like, no. hey, like maybe we just flip it around and yeah. actually say what the movie's about, which is Harley Quinn and then the Birds of Prey, not the other way around. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I mean, no, was I that so hard that. to do? Yeah, and it's actually funny that you, know? you bring that up because uh, about uh, Margot Robbie taking an executive producer role because that actually brings up something that I wanted to, that, that was to me one of, the, one of the biggest standout points of this movie, which was that this movie kind of felt like the Deadpool of the DC universe. It was their attempt. Absolutely. And, and in the, yeah, and in the sense of, and especially, that yeah, and especially the because you bring that up yeah. where, again, the whole thing 
thing about Deadpool, again, one of the saving graces is obviously the fact of how hard Ryan Reynolds fought behind the scenes with Fox in order to get that character made the right way after the debacle that was X-Men Origins. And this is, again, a very similar situation, obviously the exception being that Margot Robbie, again, it was the highlight of the Suicide Squad, but also just the fact that he kind of went to WB when they were kind of reforming after the whole Justice League mess, when yeah. they kind of just settled into their new stance of being like, hey, we're just going to give all these heroes like all the solo movies and then kind of see what happens. And that so far has been working out for them pretty well. As very I said, they pretty much, that. they kept the actors that everybody liked. They dumped all the ones that people didn't really give a shit about. So sorry, Henry Cavill. Sorry, Ben Affleck. Rip and, Jared Leto. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> really? No, that what one. They that, 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 no, that one, that one they're just trying to forget about. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> what they should have gotten rid of was Ezra Miller. And I've had this conversation many times. I'm the biggest Flash nerd. We'll be, I'll be back in 2020 now or 2022. Whenever that. When we're getting that movie, which is. I, don't, I still don't even we're think we're that movie's coming year. out. We're doing a 12 year run. Supposedly. That, 12 years? Okay. Supposedly the director of. Flashpoint movie. Which I'm mad that it's even Flashpoint. Supposedly the director of It is doing that movie, which I'm yes. like, hey, I, I mean, I like that director. I think he works well with actors, but like just totally and stylistically, I don't see him. Like I see somebody much more so like a Matthew well, Vaughn. Well, be a dark, like oh, Thomas God, Wayne's not Batman. Again. Not, I'm sorry. Like I, I, I don't know why. And, and this is probably just like, again, I blame Snyder completely for this, but like every time I hear the words dark and DC <laughs> in the same sentence, I'm like, Fuck yeah, off. I don't off. care. Jesus Christ. Move on. Joker f almost fooled me. And then I actually watched the movie and I'm like, oh my God, I don't give a shit. I yeah, don't the give new, a shit. The brand new Joker one? No, yeah. I did not like that movie wow. at all. To me? Like, at all. Yeah, same. To me, I um, thoroughly enjoyed that movie. That was probably a top well, di for, di for, different, for, for different me. reasons hmm. than... I mean, DC movie's different than, like, actual good movies. Right, right. Well, well, but I think well, Joker was an actual good movie. But the difference being also that it, enough, instead of enough. just being, like, another... I can another, see like, why you say that. A lot of people liked it. Because yeah. instead of being, like, another shitty, like, dark comic book movie, it's instead just... Now it's trying to masquerade as art. When, A, it's nothing but, like, a Scorsese jerk-off. And, B, <laughs> it's a, it is. And, and B, it's another situation where it's trying to pretend like it's this, oh, big, artsy-fartsy thing that's making this big statement about mental health. And it's like, buddy, if your name wasn't Joker and you weren't at all tied to the Batman mythos, nobody would be watching your fucking movie. You know? I mean, one, one thing I do want to say, bringing it back to like that that dark word, it's sort of like how like there's buzzwords around like sports and there's buzzwords around like music now. Like, uh, oh, oh, that's like, uh, that song's hot. That song's like, you know, like all these production terms. Yeah. Dark has now become like a shitty buzzword, I think, to help fill seats in like the DC universe. And it's like, okay. Definitely. Like, that's the one thing I will, to Marvel. That's the one thing I will give Marvel is that like they don't, they don't rely on like bullshit little things like that to help fill their seats. They've built. They I don't rely agree on the with the movies. Bullshit of the Marvel movies. Yeah, ex I don't agree with the movies. I don't definitely don't agree with the formula. I actually hate that like the formula is a thing that people discuss because like yeah. art should be ever flowing and free. That's a whole different podcast. But what I will give Marvel over DC is that they don't just try to fucking put like the word dark on something and and try to like make you believe you're watching something that you're not. Yep. I will give them that definitely. And I think that yep. happened with this movie. Yeah. So why don't we just jump in now and really start dissecting? Yeah. This so film. so basically to break this movie down again, it's it's the this is, oh I'm trying to think now one two the, yeah this is this <laughs> again it, it debates because the whole weird stance of Joker but this is the if you want to count Joker fourth if not then third uh, DC cinematic universe that has taken place in this whole kind of worlds of DC mess ever since Justice League where now this time we're following the character of Harley Quinn still portrayed by Margot Robbie in her days post Suicide Squad and the film makes clear very upfront her and the Joker are done they are finished they are broken up they make that a stand several times to the point where they are repeating it all of the time literally I think it's repeated like probably like a minimum of like 400 times throughout just the first I really like how they went through that with the right and, and, and that is really interesting was and we'll, really, and, really yeah cute. and we'll get to that but True, the whole but so the whole that. thing is good. that in the wake of the of you know the Joker's disappearance and WB's vast attempt in order to leave Jared Leto completely behind and just completely forget about the fact that he was ever in those movies in the first place unfortunately kind of the crime wave within Gotham has been left wide open and now there is a new gangster that is seeking to fill that spot that being Roman Sionis aka the Black mass portrayed with fervent embodying his best <laughs> Tim Curry uh, impersonation being Ewan McGregor uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi him. himself and uh, him. yeah so yeah, as a result dope. and so as a result Harley ends in her continuing escapades throughout Gotham uh, ends up 
forming this allegiance of sorts in a weird way when she discovers that a young runaway named Cassandra Kane has unintentionally stolen the key to Roman's rise to power in Gotham, that being the famed Bertinelli Diamond, and this ends up bringing in three other future mass crusaders, that being Mary Elizabeth Winstead's Helena Bertinelli, aka the Huntress, Journey Smollett Bell's Dinah Lance, aka Black Canary, and Rosie Perez's Renee Montoya, who again in this movie is never referred to, but uh, who would later become the character of the question. And they end up forming their own little ragged, badass unit that ends up going up against the vast, the, the evil criminal Sionis in order to bring him down. So Yeah, and that I, picture is really painted with the, the 30 seconds of screen time. Pretty much. At the end. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. they really drove oh, the that birds one of home. Prey, the yeah, final right? 20 minutes. So actually, Dom, I just want to let people know how I feel about this movie. Your description right there was, was more concrete and better told than what I saw of the actual Birds of Prey as a unit in the film. So just setting the tone early in this in this right. podcast, as we still have the better half right, of fifty definitely. minutes. So, so I guess I, so I guess you kind of jumped the gun because I was going to ask you what you thought of this movie, but I guess hey, you're already into it. So. Well, that kind of talks about what we were just saying, where this isn't a Birds of Prey movie. This is a Harley Quinn movie, right? For the first hour and thirty minutes, and then at the end we say, yeah, you get, oh, we've kind of formed the Birds of Prey. Now they'll go fly on and yeah, do their it, thing. Yeah, it definitely like, does raise yeah. a little bit of a confusing point just when it comes to the marketing, because again, the movie is Birds of Prey first, Harley Quinn second, but anybody who watches this movie and quite frankly any Anybody who would have watched the trailers again would have been like, no, this is Harley Quinn's movie. Harley Quinn. Yeah, which again, that's not a problem. Like, Harley Quinn is, she, again, she is a very interesting character. She's a hilarious character. She's one of the best characters, I think, that has been presented in this iteration, you know, the previous iteration of the DC when they were in their Marvel copycat days. So it's like, why not just make this front and center about her? So, yes, and, and so this leads me to my next point where I want to throw it to Joe. Joe works in uh, copywriting, and so he obviously has, like, a more logistical eye and a business eye towards like the whole marketing campaigns and all that stuff. So whenever we speak about a DC movie, we can't help talking about Marvel. And whenever we speak about a superhero at this point, yeah. And whenever we speak about a superhero franchise, for some reason, as opposed to when we talk about like an Irishman or something like that, we talk about the marketing. So like, why do you think that is? And and how do you feel the marketing has affected or hurt the, the film that we just watched? Cause I'm curious to like, take it from that angle because for some reason, no, it's interesting because marketing does have such a huge part in like every single movie that we watch now. And to kind yes. of discount that and not and, and not count that towards it, like I, I think that's foolish on our parts. Yeah, I mean, and you saw it in Suicide Squad because Absolutely. Suicide Squad's marketing was incredible. And it was so good the way that they described every character, the vibe of it, the soundtrack behind it, which was still an incredible soundtrack. This one kind of mirrored that in a way with the soundtrack behind it. Um, but they were still very, very vibrant movies. The greens, all of these like very, very vibrant colors. They made it look like it's going to be this very fun movie. And that's what I loved about Suicide Squad. And then it ended up not even using that kind of vibe throughout the entire right. movie. Like, like there was barely the tone, any of everything. Yeah. Yeah, with the, with the exception of, like, the intro cards when they introduced the character. There was, like, that movie was honestly, like, probably one of the grossest-looking movies I think I've ever seen. Like, it's yeah. got this really awful-looking, like, gray-black, oh, like, yeah, it's kind of with this this pukish-green outline yeah, and yeah. everything. And, oh, it just but looks that's disgusting. What I compared to this, which looked visually incredible, yes. I love the look of this movie. They did have, I'm starting to use the word again, the darker tone of, of the movie, but then all these vibrant colors popping out, especially in the... Um, precinct scene when they were in the police precinct yes, where she had that beanbag launching grenade launcher that yeah. launched all these crazy colors all the that smoke was fun. Yeah. that was that really, was a very really fun cool. sequence so yeah like just in terms of that like how this movie marketed itself a little less than Suicide Squad did but I think yeah what like to your point this should have been the Harley Quinn movie with Birds yes. of Prey well it's not that it should have been it was it's just it should have been marketed but it marketed such. it that way we would have known okay this is straight up a Harley Quinn movie I saw Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad I want to see Harley Quinn again and so, I don't really care about the Birds of Prey at the moment because you know because yeah, we I haven't gotten know introduced them. them we don't yeah, know them. exactly and so that's that's an, like, that's the way I feel about DC I've always thought that DC has the better IP their characters have been around for longer they've sold for way sure. more copies than Marvel and everyone knows Batman and Superman alright I I tried this with a bunch of the old folks in my family because I was like hey you know what I'm doing a podcast grandpa do you know Batman yes do you know Spider-Man I think I do I mean, I've heard of it, but like Batman and Superman, those are locks. So for me, it's just frustrating to see how they they have 
ideally a stronger footing going into this, but they just skew things so much with their marketing, like Joe was just saying, that they end up shooting themselves in the foot. And that's my biggest yeah. gripe with all of this. And so do you think this movie shot itself in the foot? Right. Well, it's funny because to go back to your point again, the whole idea is behind these comic book IPs, properties. And it's funny, even going back to Marvel's that ideally at the end of the day, they do want to be for kids because those are ultimately, at, at, you know, in theory, previously at least, yeah, what kids. are, well, no, but what is going to bring in the most amount of box office? What is going to bring them in the most amount of money? And because the whole origin of this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe literally started with studio executives bringing in kids, laying down a series of Marvel toys and asking which ones they thought <laughs> they liked the coolest. I am dead serious. That is how That's the whole true. MCU guys are. I, that is 100% true. Look wow. it up. But, uh, <laughs> wow. to kind of Look know, it up. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm serious, but to kind of, I only bring up true facts on here. But true, to kind of does. bring it back to that, again, it's a situation of where, kind of to your point of where, the, again, the whole thing is this movie doesn't really want to market itself. Yes, you want. they want to make you aware of the fact that this is the same character from Suicide Squad, but at the same time, they're trying to distance themselves. And I feel that kind of creates this, this yeah. little bit of flux where they're trying to, again, it's it's the biggest problem that they've had so far, I feel, like, with their new movies. And they've been doing a very good job of overcoming those hurdles. But again, when it's a situation with Aquaman, you know, or, or like with this new Wonder Woman movie that's coming yeah. out, you know, Shazam is a little bit of an exception because that's a new character that you hadn't seen before. Yeah. But it's like they're still trying to use all of these characters that people liked from their previous movies yeah. while trying to distance themselves from the tones that those movies set up and trying to get into kind of these new tones. But kind of also to bounce off of your point is that what I'll say just about what I think about this movie first and foremost is that Yes, it still does have a little bit of a, the same problem that Suicide Squad had in that it doesn't really establish, I think, a consistent tone. But here's what I'll give this movie that Suicide Squad didn't. Suicide Squad felt like a studio-mandated product that ultimately, at the end of the day, felt like they were so scared about the final product that they were going to have that they literally just pulled, to me, what is still the dumbest move that a studio has ever done and handed the goddamn movie off to the freaking trailer house that edited the trailers in order to edit. And that was the movie that we got. Yeah. This movie, at the very least, say what you will about the tone, but at the very least, the way that it, that the way that it is edited, the way that it is produced, the way that it looks, it feels like the embodiment of something that would happen within the mind of the character of Harley Quinn. So yeah. say what you will about the marketing, at the very least, I feel like a, I feel like I'm watching a movie about Harley Quinn, and I feel yeah. like this is a movie that embodies to me what it, what it is that everybody loved about that character. So even though they may not have produced the best movie, goddammit, they nailed this freaking character. Yeah, and like to your point where you're talking about like distancing, some, distancing themselves from Suicide Squad, like the best part of Suicide Squad was Margot Robbie. Yes. It was Harley Quinn. Mm -hmm. So I think you can own that, and DC should have owned that, and said this is the Harley Quinn movie and the Birds of Prey. Right. So Because that's the movie, and yes. we all know that. We yes. all saw no, that. No, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. we all know it. It is the movie. So own that. Harley Quinn is your moneymaker in this, literally this movie. That's why people are going to see this movie. So own that. Make this the Harley Quinn movie. And then that marketing campaign is solid. We know what we're going to see. We see it. We love it because it's Harley Quinn and everything that we know she's about. And then you're good to go. And this is another thing I'll give Marvel because they recognize when they have something good. And and so when I was, you know, preparing for this episode this morning, just reading articles and, and, and seeing like what was going on around the film, not on the set or in the movie itself, because I, I like to get those perspectives and be able to speak on that stuff. It blew my mind when Margot Robbie seemingly had to bang down the door of Warner Brothers to get this film made. I mean, you, you had the one glimmer of hope from Suicide Squad, the one thing that everyone was saying actually worked, and yet you're just trying to do something else. Like, they, they need to learn, like I said, with these strong characters. Like, Harley Quinn is a very strong character, and, and you can tell that Margot Robbie and the creative team really knew this character well, and thank God they did, because I'm glad we're probably going to get a second chance to see her again. Yep. But it just blows my mind that we're all sitting here saying, like, that's, like, one of the main things that worked in this movie that I'm sure we'll get to the problems soon in. And, and she had to beg to get this to get this made. Like, what is going on? It's, on at like it's a Warner Brothers thing because like I don't know if you guys have heard but the whole Superman debacle yes so we obviously Henry Cavill was amazing in my opinion I thought Henry Cavill was I think Henry Cavill Superman. was good when he was being given good material to work yes. with yes so they there was an article that came out probably about three months ago that Warner Brothers does not want to make a Superman movie because they don't think that that storyline is currently relatable which what are you talking about he is a what is it reporter in this world he's an alien reporter like this, there's just things that they can do with this IP. Like right now, the news, everything's fake. All this stuff going on and around sure. that, around news about reporting, that they don't think that is a storyline that we can make Superman like about all these like alienating things that are happening to like certain people. Like, 
there's a perfect storyline in there that you can get. It's always kind of been like a hot topic button because the whole thing with Superman has always been the fact that if you just make it about like the typical superhero, you know, showing of the powers, you know, action spectacle, then yeah, it does get a little bit boring because then again, we do end up in the third act of Man of Steel with, but with it's Superman. I agree, I agree, and but the, and that's the, right, and that's the thing is well, that. Uh, what's it called? In order to kind of bring it back to my point again, why Man of Steel was probably one of the, again. I don't think Man of Steel is a bad movie. I think it's a lot more totally consistent than a lot of the DC movies that we've gotten. But again, why that to me was the worst movie possible in order to kick off, say, a cinematic universe. Not just because Snyder had no interest in making a cinematic universe yeah. with all these different characters. He only had his ideas for Superman, Batman, and the Justice League. Right? They were all ancillary to him. It's the fact of Man of Steel. Besides being to me not the best. Superman movie was trying to be like a deconstructive thing almost like a Watchmen almost where he's trying to show kind of like how scary like and yeah. awful these superheroes would be in real life while at the same time trying to make this like wonder this wondrous you know escapating thing you know with this dueling ideologies again it's a, it's a situation of playing around with way too many ideas and trying to have your cake and eat it too where it's like I'm sorry you can't play it both ways you either make a deconstructive piece like a Watchmen that shows how dangerous and awful superheroes like the boys where that shows how dangerous and awful superheroes would be in this day and age or you make a goddamn Superman movie you can't have it both ways yeah, and I was having it both ways exactly and that's what gave us Man of Steel and that's what kicked off this whole disaster train that we rode on that we've been yep. riding on for these last six seven eight years now and so two things i want to say because i think like a lot of people write actors off when they see them in a performance like man of steel oh henry henry cavill was the problem no i don't think it was the problem because there actually is a superman run called american alien where superman is alone in america because he doesn't fit in and he feels alienated and isolated and this actually came out in 2008 so it's almost like those writers sort of predicted the political turn that we would take so yeah. you can do exactly what you were saying joe with that ip but again to me it's it's just the Warner Brothers thing of, well, why is Henry Cavill so great in The Witcher? Because he can act. It's a matter of like the creative direction and the tone, which you keep saying, which is not clear in DC. And that is one thing I do actually want to give credit to this film. Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn, right? That The tone was there. It really helped paint the picture of this delusional psychopathic who is a very educated woman, but also, obviously, you know what they say about people who study psychiatry. Hmm. Maybe some of them are studying it so they can diagnose them themselves and i think they really exemplified that in this film but like I, I do have to ask you guys so if we are saying that this movie had a clear vision and and if we like the performances why aren't we just sitting here sort of just like singing its praises because there is some things that didn't work right and that's so, honestly i actually wanted to bounce off because again the idea of having a clear vision i think is something that we would be giving this movie far too much praise to because again this mm -hmm. is another situation where dc is using a fairly new director i checked this director her name's kathy yan she's only had like one feature before this done a bunch of shorts so i think the idea of this having a clear vision is again what would would be heresy because again if, if you look at all, not just within dc but heresy, all of these okay. well yeah I, I like using those big words that's but a good yeah, word that's within within all of like kind of these big budget superhero movies you know we've kind of been seeing this again marvel unintentionally jump-started this train but sony i feel like really ran this into the ground when they obviously got mark webb for the amazing spider-man movies hiring him off one movie you know 500 days of summer which to me is still like the eponymous pinnacle of that of the highest point that rom-coms will ever reach but uh, to do this huge, big-budget Spider-Man movie. And again, him doing the best job that he possibly could. But that kind of jump-started this train that we've seen this entire past decade of getting these random one-off indie directors that maybe have like one or two movies under their belt and putting them and plucking them right from the festival's circuit and putting them in an experience where they have no fucking clue what they're doing. They're putting them in these giant, spectacle-ridden like monstrosities with all this different talent and again it, it's a situation where the studio machine is running so quickly that they barely have any time to express your kind of artistic potential but why does that work with marvel like kevin feige was literally you know doing something completely different but why then why doesn't it work with and dc so i'm actually going to bring something up really interesting about that because uh, about why so much of of the thing with marvel works is that so there was an interview that the black widow director had um, her name is Kate Shortland, where she was brought in, and because she wasn't the first choice, I forget who they had for the first choice, but the first choice walked, similar to what happened with Edgar Wright when he walked from Ant-Man, and similar to how when Patty Jenkins walked from Thor the Dark World, they replaced them with Alan Taylor, and the whole thing that she said about that was... Um, they brought her in, they approached her, and they were like, okay, we want you to do this, 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 you know, they said that Marvel was, of course, very free form, very unrestrained, they kind of were, were very receptive to their creative vision about what they wanted to do with the character and all that, yada, 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 that was great, but then they bring up the word, but I don't really know how to direct action sequences, and like, all the stuff that you guys do is cool, but like, I don't really know if I'm gonna be the person to do that, and Marvel was like, oh, we got that covered. 
Because literally, no joke, this is a thing that is true about Marvel movies. Marvel has their action sequences planned out months before they even hire the directors for the goddamn movies. Wow. I shit you not. They had the pre-concept viz for the action sequences in Ant-Man planned out before they ever brought on Peyton, uh, Edgar Wright. So then, so then that makes me ask the question, that begs the question rather, do superhero movies need a clear-cut formula and blueprint to succeed? Or I feel like the other question we should be asking is, do superhero movies, like, again, if they already have the, if the studios already have this shit planned out, again, what's the point of even having the artists involved? And I hate that we have to ask that question, but it's like, is it literally just to coordinate with the talent? Is it like to design the characters? Like, the mold is already there. We have the fucking years upon years of comic books, you know? Fans spouting shit on the internet every 30 seconds about what the most accurate representation of these characters are. It's almost like they're automating films. Films where these literally, are like not even, not even like, that's literally what they're doing. I do want to bring up the point about what you're saying, where this formula works for Marvel, bringing in all this new talent. Patty Jenkins was relatively new talent, and she nailed Wonder Woman. Then they brought in someone as big as James Wan to do Aquaman, and he nails Aquaman. Well, just for those two specific examples, James Wan has a long history of directing really interesting horror movies, but also the fact that he had already had a big budget experience as the director of the Fast and Fast Furious, Furious, the seventh movie. And yep. also, Patty Jenkins, again, Fast was Furious. going to direct for The Dark World, and also she directed the movie. Did you watch uh, the 2003 movie Monster with Charlize Theron, where she yep. portrayed Eileen Warnos? Oh great movie but yeah so the point being that these weren't like inexperienced directors it's not quite the same of marvel like picking up like say oh my god what's the most what, what was the most recent example that i could think of like marvel's whole thing was marvel didn't go for guys it was like the, the equivalent of like fox picking up josh trying to do fantastic four after chronicle you know you put chronicle next to fantastic four right <laughs> do those even look like they were directed by the same person yeah and one's good and one's terrible yeah so, Can no. you use the word dark in both of oh, them? Oh, God, <laughs> no. They're, they're both. I mean, Chronicle, yeah, it has yeah, a dark Well, Chronicle tone. is a dark movie, but the difference being that Chronicle is actually, like, the t its tone, it has a dark, consistent yeah. tone because that's the the path that the character that it, it is about is set on versus Fantastic Four is just dark and gritty because, I don't know, low-color filtering to cover up shitty-looking CG? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that early 2000s stuff is, uh, some of it's rough. Except that this is the problem. That Fantastic Four movie came out in 2015! Oh, I was thinking of the. Oh, no, my bad. no, the that's Tim. So that's a whole different. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I actually didn't see. So then I will have to clarify this for the record. I didn't actually see that movie because oh, you didn't miss that, that was before you didn't miss it was a goddamn the newer thing. Fantastic Four. Yeah. yeah. That oh one. my god. The yeah, one with Miles Miles Teller. That's don't. when it was difficult to get me in a seat, and you really had to sell the film. And that movie sold one thing to me, and it was that I will never watch this fucking movie. <laughs> oh my god. That again, you best decision you probably made that whole goddamn year. Uh yeah. Can vouch for that. Here, <laughs> yeah. check check the biography yeah, but, but in thirty so years. Yeah, but, yeah. But, so, kind of bringing it back to this movie I, I, again. It's it's we, we've talked a lot about the idea of tone and kind of a lot of the studio meddling and interference because we have to because that is a big part of it. But I guess the the thing that I want to talk about now is kind of like was there a way for the Birds of Prey to kind of be introduced in a more naturalistic way because I feel like all of the seeds for them to be interesting characters and to kind of have it be structured as more of this ensemble piece were there. But it almost felt like the movie kind of couldn't decide whether it wanted it to be an ensemble piece or whether it wanted, like, kind of just to use this movie as kind of like a backdoor pilot almost yeah. for, their, for their respective franchise and then have Harley Quinn kind of go off and do their own thing. Yeah, I mean, it was also all of these backstories that are coming in for Huntress, for Black Canary, uh, for the question that we eventually don't get to know that right. who she is. But these are all coming from the mind of Harley Quinn. Right. So she doesn't know all the intricacies of these guys' backstories as much as what we want to see. But these were all coming from her mind. So she knows the Huntress backstory of, like, what we all would know from reading maybe one or two of her comic books. But they don't have the... She doesn't have this, like immense knowledge that that was the direction that they chose right they chose to do it from harley quinn's right point of view not the world's point of view right exactly and so, and so like as a, kind of as a plot device as an interesting cool plot device in order to introduce them right that's fine which i think goes back to the beginning of this conversation yes. why this film will inevitably suffer from the way it was marketed yes entitled yes. but dumb yeah. continue but please. yeah but but to kind of continue off of that it's like yeah that's great for their introductions and and kind of like the how oh i gotta backtrack now again that one to me was very emblematic of deadpool because that's literally how the entire first yeah. half of the, the the first deadpool movie plays out is <laughs> yeah. Going it felt all just over like the that, by the way. Right, literally. Yeah. It felt but, like a yeah, homage to the entire Yeah, but, but film, if anything, in a sense, I, I feel in like it, in, a, in a weird way, like more... 
naturalistic the character. You know, like, like that's not yes. something that Deadpool mm-hmm. would... Like, in Deadpool, it was just a plot device in order to sell that yeah. script. Like, that's not something that character would do. This year, it felt naturalistic to that character. It was also. the only character in DC that I think that kind of style would work with. Right. Yeah. So I give, them, I give them and a I lot of credit for that. And I also think the casting as well with that character having those already pre-existing personality traits I think that as much as I love Deadpool that's actually one of my favorite Marvel properties on the big screen but I I do think that even though Deadpool came first I I will give it to Margot Robbie and Harley Quinn as I think they did it better like Drake said it's it's not about who uh, who did it first it's about who did it best (laughs) pretty much you know what I'm saying and I don't listen to much rap by the way but it's kind of the the continuation of their characters where now because uh, not just because so much of the movie is focused on Harley but because it's kind of bouncing around from, from point to point to point almost in a very very inconsistent way there's points where like just characters will go away and then when they come back it's like oh wait i forgot you were even in the movie literally to the point where it's like yeah. when they remind you of their origin they almost kind of turn it into a joke which again playing back to the deadpool angle i don't mind that if that was the tone that this movie was going to go for because like there's this one line when they're all together at the at the carnival funhouse at the end when huntress comes in and they find out her origin, and Harley Quinn is like, "Oh wow, that's that. What a tragic backstory, you know." And then they kind of have this thing at the end where she's like, like kind of really awkward around the rest of the characters, yep. and she doesn't really know how to like socialize and everything. Where it kind of like when she introduces herself to all the people that she kills, she like kind of comes off as stilted and awkward. I feel like that right there, again, specifically with that character, is a could be a really interesting facet where you play up that origin. Kind of it's just like, ah, oh, boring. Seen that before. It's basically the same as Batman's, you know. Yeah. And kind of play that origin up as a joke, and then have the comparison part about that character be kind of the fact that she's been so long on this path for revenge that she kind of doesn't know how to interact with normal people that to me is more fascinating than anything that they did with that character in this movie yeah and now that she is done now like her whole backstory has been fulfilled because she's killed all these people right and then now it's like no 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 Black Mask is still out there. Yep. Like, let's get him. Yeah, literally. So. And it, it's like, it almost comes off as like an afterthought in that movie. And then with the Black Canary character, again, it's a lot of, again, Chris, I've talked to nauseam about this on this podcast. Like, again, a lot of telling, not showing. Where it's just like, yes. oh, d- Montoya comes out of nowhere. And it's just like, oh, hey, uh, I know you. Your mom, uh, you know, used to help us out. You know, and I'm like, oh, cool. You know, kind of doing the a little bit of more, tra- the more traditional Black Canary origin. You know, kind yep. of, you know, getting into that part. You know, the fact that she has to keep her powers concealed. All that is fascinating. But it's then it's like just delivered. And then she's just like, oh, I'm just a driver for Black Mask. And then I'm just going to disappear again for a certain amount of time. I think that was the biggest problem with this movie is the Birds of Prey aspect of it. Right. Obviously, Harley Quinn was amazing. Margot Robbie. Yes. Because... Most of them, to me, are forgettable. My favorite was the Black Canary. I think her performance was really, really good. They just underutilized the Canary Cry. Like, that's the biggest... I know they use it as the huge plot point in the end, but I think she was just underutilized in her whole role. But I think she was the highlight, besides Margot Robbie, besides Ewan McGregor, um, of this movie. Yeah, again, it's, 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 it's a situation of where all the potential for them to be great characters is there. They've got, a fanta- to me, a fantastic batch of actors with all these you know Rosie Perez Mary Elizabeth Winstead Journey Smola Bell like that those are three really really good actors and all those characters have the potential to be these really awesome badass characters but to me it's like because this movie was almost like a backdoor and kind of winked and shrugged and kind of got through how each of the characters are introduced it's a really fascinating plot device but that's really all it comes down to is they're ultimately yeah. just plot devices in so, order to kind of fill out the the again to the already very confusingly worded title oh right it's a birds of prey movie right okay that's let's get barely them all in- about the birds of 20 minutes so i couldn't agree more with with that dom and what i will say is when i was preparing for this episode this morning i had this thought so so let me elaborate my perspective sort of on what you just said so i thought like you on my drive home last night i thought wow you know black canary that was a pretty good performance but then i woke up this morning and i said (laughs) okay it's time to like get in the zone right the podcast is happening let's get pumped up let's really bring some good shit to the table and so i was very thankful i had this thought because i now realize that was it a good performance or was it just that every other character was so underdeveloped and you really only had ewan mcgregor's character margot robbie i forget his name i know he's like the serial killer oh christmas christmas cena is victor zaz who who i actually thought was even more fleshed out than the big bad which I think is is really? sort of a fault, um, in my opinion. Um, and so was Black Canary. She to me, she just sort of felt like like an object that existed in the film and was being used by all these different people. And then at the end, when they finally defeated the big bad in that diner scene, and this scene really pissed me off. It's like okay, so now Huntress is like weird and, and socially awkward and everything she says isn't funny, but is meant to be awkward. <laughs> and then Black Canary is like sort of like just super like over the top aggressive like we get character development in the last eight minutes so 
So was it a good performance or was it just that one of the big faults of this film is that we really just got to know the people we got to know rather we got to know really well and I really like those characters but if you're gonna have this birds of prey first Harley Quinn's second thing which insinuates ensemble where yeah. was the ensemble you know what I'm saying exactly so and, and which again is a big problem that this movie has yeah I'm interested to see the screen time now that you say that because I think Black Canary might have had the probably third most screen time besides Margot Robbie Andy with McGregor. I'd agree with that. She probably has the most. I, 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 I think I had to try. I, I, I agree think, too, but she was just I singing. Think she per- was just I, driving. I, think, I mean. I think Rosie Perez had slightly more, but I think it's like around the same even, especially yeah. with, with the scenes okay. where they share. I, I hated I think. that character. Yes, let's I get into that. the cop. Like, and I don't know. Like, I hate She's it. the one that I know least about yeah. in terms of like the comic backstory and all that i didn't i don't even know who the question is sorry nerds out there but uh, that to me i just did not like her character i didn't like the story was there but it wasn't fleshed out enough like her whole dynamic with the captain in there like they kept reminding us like yeah she's been put down by this her old partner who is now the captain of this and like yeah like we felt that but i didn't feel for her at all i didn't care for the character at all she shows up in the end and i don't really care that she's even there like she was the one that i had the most problems with where like Huntress, like we're saying she is kind of like a comedic relief in a movie that is all about comedy with Margot Robb with Harley Quinn. I liked Huntress. I very much liked the black canary. I had no connection at all with the police officer, but also something that we should talk about later. Cassandra Cain, why is she even named Cassandra Cain? That is such a huge character in this world and such a badass woman in this world to be this just pickpocket in this movie, throw away, that was my also biggest problem. So yeah. Well, to kind Go of like ba- well to kind of bounce off those points, it's like the whole Cassandra Kane thing. It's like yeah, they've they've they they've taken specific big comic book names and changed that and designated those on different characters like all yeah. the time. Like that's nothing new. That that's nothing new. We've seen that before. But to kind of answer your questions about the about the about Montoya, first off, the her alias she was again a traditional male character that obviously got switched to a female. The whole thing is that back in the day, her character was actually originally going to be the inspiration for Rorschach. Where kind of just to give a little bit of an inspiration behind Watchmen. The whole thing there is that Alan Moore was going to take already established DC characters, so he was gonna it was going to be uh, the question Blue Beetle Peacemaker and a few other I think Dr. Manhattan was was originally going to be the Adam a bunch of others and then basically DC took a, a look at the story that he was writing and said fuck no you are not allowed <laughs> to use any of these characters and so he basically was like okay and he basically like wrote kind of these different you know these newer characters so obviously the question became Rorschach the Adam became Dr. Manhattan Peacemaker became okay. the comedian Blue Beetle became Night Owl and so on and so on and so to kind of answer that, the whole thing, you're right, where the whole thing about the that character that makes it interesting on paper is the fact that it's basically like Rorschach. It's basically kind of this detective that comes into conflict a few times with Batman, is, is you know doesn't agree with Batman's method, thinks that Batman's a little bit too soft on criminals, but again, they manage to reach common ground. Now, the whole thing with this character, and, cha- and again, this is a vastly different character than the question that we get on paper, but the whole thing, and again kind of to bounce off your point and why I think this there is a way to do this character interestingly but they don't do it which is in the sense of again similar to what I said with Huntress they use that whole shtick of hers as being kind of a joke where the yeah. whole they, they reference constantly that she's a big fan of 80s cop movies and that to the point where she literally acts like them you know if they play that up more as a joke and have her kind of embody the straight person where she's like, no, she actually does believe in that to the point where she actually ends up changing Harley and the rest of the characters around her. That's Ooh. a different scenario. But they don't do any of that, yeah. which is why that character comes off as such a flat, boring, and uninteresting character that, yeah, again, agreed. is just like an 80s shtick cop. And so as someone who like tries to really analyze these things and be critical and not just you know brush something aside because I realize that one bad performance does not make a bad actor... I think that she is really going to have to prove herself the next time I see her because yep. regardless of if we the, we've just said the writing was terrible that that gimmick of lean into it they didn't lean into it the right way if even if they if they should have even in the first place but with that being said she did not feel comfortable in her skin literally. to me yes, watching literally. this film she just I mean, felt she had that weird shirt on at one point yeah so for maybe no that's reason. why she didn't feel I, I was really confused I was waiting for them to explain I'm like why is she wearing that shirt and well it's the lost and found her clothes smelled like shit so oh, she had to get oh okay I, so she I had to go that. and yeah, get the lost I and found that. but I mean clothes and- if yeah. anything, that distracted from an already distracting scene because she, we were told the DA was her ex, but we got literally two yeah. seconds of screen yeah. time with Throwing that. Throwing that at yeah, the screen. Just, just like, that was just a quick, hey, Ali Wong's popular. Let's give her a paycheck. Yep. And so, yep, yeah. Yep. And so I'm not saying movies should be longer. 
I actually really liked the length of this film. It was a good length. It was a comfortable length as an audience goer. But unfortunately, I do think that if you're going to try to have a true ensemble piece, we probably would have needed a flashback of her getting slighted by her captain. We probably would have needed a flashback of her and the DA agent to make that one scene actually culminate and coalesce in a way that I think they wanted us to be like, oh, I feel for this yeah, character. Yeah, make us care about I re- that. Because she is sort of like the light in this film. She is the law, the most law-abiding one. Of course, she throws that away at the end. But when she throws that away at the end and joins the Birds of Prey, even though she knows Huntress is killed, Black Canary has, has beat people up, potentially yep. has killed, worked for a mob boss, I didn't, I didn't care. Like, I didn't think that wow this is some revelation i was just like oh cool now the three people who i hate their personalities and i'm getting to actually see them are together and i'll probably have to go and watch a movie of just them three without harley and that to me right now seems insufferable i agree no i agree that sounds like the most boring stand because the problem is because she is the life and heart of this movie and they all come off as like boring sticks of mud compared to her with how they were portrayed (laughs) in this movie and so seeing a movie with just them without harley i'm sorry i don't give a fuck Unless yeah, they're exactly. gonna make it a boring TV show like Marvel's doing with oh some of their characters. Oh my god! You know what? Which is <laughs> funny because they already had a fucking awful TV show called The Birds of Prey. TV shows no, wait, could wait. save this because we might have time to explore and and sort of get to know these characters better. Because again, we really only had like twelve to fifteen <laughs> minutes. But still, total throughout the whole movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But still, I just I think that this property is now doomed. Because yeah, you, okay. you, I, I you, think that's going a you little extreme. I, I think that's so going yeah, a doom, little extreme. Doomed, I wouldn't say, but Dude, I think that, 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 that yes. that's again another infamous TVN. Uh, what's it called? What's the word? Um, hyperbol hyperbolization. I would say. It, but. I, they're going to need to introduce a new, very very interesting character to the Birds of Prey to yeah. that team. Who's going to carry that team? Yeah, because yeah. I mean, uh, or just like get a be- just get a writer that will actually like give them something to do and but actually like play out that in, dynamic are we gonna talk about that movie when yeah. there's trailer like no, are right. we gonna be like excited about that yeah. like unless I, it's because we're talking about now like now that we've seen another harley quinn movie now everybody wants the poison ivy yes and the relationship yeah. that she has with poison ivy and that would be extremely cool to like explore like after yeah. a batman film and then maybe getting like the really really old batman film uh with batman and robin with poison ivy i'm forgetting the oh, name of it batman and robin which is, yeah, that's okay. literally, that's literally what it's called. That's Batman, 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 Though, uh, like, getting that dynamic back of Poison Ivy and Harley oh, Quinn, because we never had a Harley Quinn. Just don't have it be Uma Thurman and Ooh. don't have Joel Schumacher direct it. That's all I'm asking. Please, But I think that'd God, be very no. interesting. But can we now talk about Cassandra Cain? Like, I think you were yeah, talking about it a little to, bit. To, to sure, me, yeah. the, the whole thing about that character is it's fine. It's another piece of shit kid character where I'm like I've seen so many of these at this point that I don't give a shit at all so I get it something it's, else I get, get it Ashley. I get it it's not and the now same she's character she's not gonna be a Batwoman yeah again you know, my, like, my whole thing is I'm like okay you're slightly more tolerable than Julian Dennison from Deadpool 2 it's literally the true. fat the, it's literally the fat Australian kid like from guy. Deadpool 2 and it's like I don't know maybe yeah. it's like a casting thing Maybe it's like I feel like just get a different actress, maybe, but in order now, to make that character more interesting. Because, but again, you, it's like I don't want to be that guy, and and please don't fucking listen to this and be like, take this soundbite. But like, <laughs> I, I think the thing with child actors is that like we're we're trying to have all this representation on the screen now because that's what's in politically, and so like I feel like we've been seeing a lot more movies circulating around kids and having kids in them. If you yeah. look at like you know it and um like this movie for example, and then there's just a few that we I remember we spoke about child actors not too long ago on the podcast. Dad I forget Bull, like we just mentioned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so like my problem with child actors is, and I use Finn Wolfhard as an example. As he's growing, I think he's losing sort of his charm and 1, his magic. thousand percent, I agree. And and so to me, it's sort of like, yes, they're younger, so you give them a little bit of a break. But in this case, I also think it kind of like broke the movie down in not a good way because she was on screen a lot, but she was very flat. It, it, again, it didn't feel like she was comfortable in her skin as an actor at this point in time, which I think is like a lot of my problem for the ensemble cast. But considering she's like the object, like the the thing everyone's after because she literally swallows the diamond. She was the whole story being tied together in one character because she had the connection to the cop. She had the connection to Harley Quinn. She had the connection to everything. But like Cassandra Kane, if that was going to be a story plot line, Cassandra Kane should have been that character. Not what like this wasn't like you could have aimed what we were saying before. 
Ashley. This is just Ashley. And the story Pretty is much. completely the same. Literally. Yeah. But so now like, they have tied themselves to Cassandra Kane. I, th- I think the whole thing there, this is Cassandra Kane. I think the whole thing that comes that. I think the whole thing that comes from that is the fact of where, again, I it's a few writing touch-ups. Again, make it again, I, I hate fat shaming anyone, but it's like make it like a little bit of like a skinnier starving kid, you know? Like, oh, she's got she's living oh, she's like living in a shitty foster home and she's got a cast okay yeah i don't and think she's like just look, that makes and she, sense and she looks and she just looks bored and angsty all the time like that's her only character trait like yeah. make it like a little bit of like skinnier kid living on the streets actually having a reason to pickpocket yeah. other than and oh she just does before. it because we've she's fucking bored yeah and also she got a 20 dollar bill from the black canary right and she didn't really look like she was that hungry so i don't think that's fashion yeah, she definitely doesn't look like she's I, starving for food or anything and again i'll bring it back to even though the marvel films aren't my taste their attention to detail is is very yes. superb whereas i think that that was something that slipped through the cracks that i think was a pretty easy thing considering you just said it in a freeform conversation on a podcast and and so what i was going to say to wrap up about the child actor again she was fine to what dom said she wasn't amazing she wasn't terrible it was a child actor but like she's just another reason that i think exemplifies the way i really feel about this film which is how much weight can harley quinn put on her back until it breaks yeah you know and, what I'm saying? And, so. and it's funny that you bring and it back. the hyena. Because they kind of bring it movie. back to that. <laughs> Bruce, it's, it's that funny that you mentioned that because, because this is where probably this conversation is going to take a very big t- plot twist in that, which is that I think that, again, the fact that you're right, with all the problems that we have talked about, kind of to your point of how much weight can Harley Quinn hold, I think the fact that this movie I thought was so strong in terms of its portrayal of specifically that character not to mention the dynamic of her back and forth with Ewan McGregor who to me besides being the ne- the, the the other best part about this movie besides Margot Robbie just is clearly just having a ball yeah. with this role like I mentioned the fact that he time. was embodying the best of Tim Curry like from back in the day just like those little nuances with the oh and oh who is me and I'm so dramatic but oh I'm such a psychopath but he's just delighting in it and so the fact yeah. of where you, you you're you're laughing at the at the fact of just how psychopathic it is and it's a very tricky thing to nail and so it's, it's almost like it's almost like the character may as well be gay which which is really funny because you think about his relationship between him and Zaz like that, that is such a gay relationship I had it's read an article funny that that was supposed to be a thing yeah, that, that it was supposed which, to be the first openly you? gay character which, why in the you? DCU. That been awesome. well, well, again, props to Warner Brothers because uh, look at what happens every fucking time Disney releases a press release saying, oh, yeah. this is going to be a gay character. We get fucking like LeFou, Josh Gad, and Beauty and the yeah. Beast. So fuck that shit. So compared to that, I'm glad we got what we got. But So you think it was a cutting room floor? It was like because they had mentioned it. Uh, had to have been. They mentioned it at the end. We killed your best friend. Yeah. So they made sure that the point was, no, they were not gay. Yeah. They were not in a relationship. Okay. Yeah. Where I had read prior that that was supposed to be the thing. Right. But, supposed to be but the going back to it, it's funny because with all of these problems that I had, I still had a blast watching this movie. All of these problems, again, they're problems that I acknowledged that were legitimate problems that kept this way. Again, it's why I'll say this is a good movie, not a great movie. But I still, I had such a fucking blast watching this. This was, to me, the most amount of just pure sitting back, enjoying myself, and having fun that I've had in a movie in a while. And again, that's something that I think I'll have to give to every theater-going experience that I've had so far this year, which is I I have not gone to a theater and seen a movie so far within the year of 2020 that I have not had fun with. You know, I thought every single time she cracked a joke, a visual gag, anything, I was laughing my ass off. Anytime McGregor opens his mouth in that movie, I am laughing my ass off. The action, again, say what you will, again, just good bringing in uh, people who actually know how to shoot action because, they got, again, they brought in Chad Stahelski from John Wick from in order John to coordinate Wick, the yep. action. And it fucking showed because those action sequences I thought were the best parts of the movie to me. So they good. Really, they really, really nailed so it. They like, the way that they The way that they moved the camera, the way that they utilized the set to their advantage, like the way the, choreo- the choreography, like everything about that to me worked. And to me, it all worked in the service of helping to make this character the best possible version of this character that we could possibly get. So for my money... That is what I enjoyed, and that to me is what saved this from being just another drag from DC. Yeah, yes. and what they used in the police scene where they were in the uh, in captivity, where they were trying to get Cassandra Kane out when Harley Quinn went into there. That fight scene inside all of those cells with the water on the ground, they had like an inch or two of water that she was like splashing through and hitting all these like. That one was like probably my favorite fight scene out of all of them. Yeah, me too. The I end so. was really fun too because everybody was it was just crazy, you know. The one roller shot, skates, all this stuff. The one shot that sticks in my mind from that scene is when she like takes the bat and does like the the three sixty with the water. Mm-hmm. See, slow mo usually really pisses me off in action films. Yeah, like like it just it's it always feels like an excuse. especially since a lot yeah. of these DC movies have still been using 
the action speed ups and the slowdowns that Snyder has yeah. done notoriously in every one of his fucking movies. And they yeah. feel Wonder like Woman excuses to me. Uh, whatever that might be, maybe it just didn't translate. But I actually thought it was like a nice touch in this film. It it it, it exemplified, and I'm not just talking superhero movies. I'm talking action films. Like the the slowdown and speeding up of this movie, I think really a like pay tribute to the character and B also like help to exemplify the moment in a nice way. So with that being said, as we are sort of starting to run our course here on this episode, why don't we all just go around, give our, our closing statements. And, uh, you know, Joe, on this show, we like to do a rating out of five stars. You can do, you know, 2.16 or whatever, however many stars you want to give it down to the exact decimal that is up to you. But, uh, I mean, Dom, how do we want to, how do we want to start these conclusions? Oh, basically to, just uh, the, again, just basically the fact of, again, in order to kind of tie up my thoughts on this, uh, in, and basically what I said about letterboxes again, even with, well, again, DC has obviously had a very interesting track record. And the whole thing is that same as you will about any franchise, you know, good, bad, whatever, you know, I, I think, again, the, the consistent franchises, you know, the Marvels and everything, it's always good, especially when they can pull off that amount of consistency for that long, you know, look at Marvel, look at Harry Potter, James Bond, even though, again, it, it, the whole thing there is that just the fact that they've just been able to adapt with the times. That's how that franchise has lasted so long. But I also want to like to give shout outs to the inconsistent franchises, you know, because even though every single one of the not every single one of their entries may line up within like a precise pecking order like you look at that and you're just like oh i automatically know that it's part of that franchise i i kind of enjoy that weird enough because even though it may not measure up quality wise i still admire it for its uniqueness and being able to stand out it's something that I've talked about repeatedly with Star Wars about how, again, the big, Star Wars' biggest problem but also its most defining trait is its inconsistency. And it's the same thing that I'm going to say about these DC movies that we've gotten started with Man of Steel up until now. You know, every DC movie before that, you know, it was just kind of whatever. They were all kind of these solo, you know, what-ifs, you know, obviously kind of the only big franchises that existed before this were the Superman franchise with Christopher Reeve, the Batman franchise between Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, and George Clooney, and the Dark Knight trilogy. And so this is kind of like at their first shot at like kind of this expanded universe experiment they tried their copycat marvel days that failed on them miserably but at the very least unlike a lot of the other franchises that tried to copy marvel they were at the very least kind of able to course correct and i think even though they haven't put out a movie that i have loved they have been on the right track and i feel like they have been doing everything that they have needed to where again chris to your point where you're constantly willing to give dc credit for trying at the very least over marvel which seems to consistently put out the same thing over and over again i understand that point but again i'm not going to fault either one of them because again what works for marvel has worked for marvel but again even though I may not have loved Wonder Woman, I think the third act of that movie is hot garbage. Even though I may not have loved Aquaman, even though I may not have loved Shazam, I think that they have been steps in the right direction. I think the fact that they are taking these risks with these wild tones and ultimately being kind of these opposite superhero movies, you know, where Aquaman is kind of more of this like crazy fantasy movie, you know, Shazam is kind of this more kid-centric, you know, fun family film. And now with this movie, this movie kind of is almost like a pulpy crime comedy almost in the sense of like Deadpool, you know? So in the sense of kind of like those different kind of genre movies, again, not something that I love, but I give it credit for being a step in the right direction. I think that by the time they hit the Batman movie that's going to be directed by Matt Reeves and the Suicide Squad sequel that's going to be directed by James Gunn, I think that's when they'll finally hit their stride. And those two movies, I think, are going to be like their linchpin echelon best movies. But for this movie... For all of its problems, I still had a fucking blast watching it, and I was very entertained with it, all the problems aside, so I'm giving this four out of five stars. Wow, okay. Good praise, good praise. Yeah, um, Joe, we're going to save the, the guest, or the best for last, so let me just go, yes, and then you can, there. And you can close that one out. So, for me, this movie, it was fun. Like, I enjoyed going out, hanging out with some friends, seeing this movie. It wasn't like I went and was, like, checking my phone and, and just waiting for, like, the diner hangs afterwards, you know? It was like, cool, we'll have something, like, to talk about this movie gave me something to talk about and for that i appreciate it i like what they did um i really enjoyed you know showing that like you know female characters can and are just as badass as superheroes as the male characters that was cool because i think whereas marvel does have a lot of like really cool female characters there's always like that male character there in the same fight scene or at least in in my bubble of marvel granted i haven't seen all the films but i've seen a lot and so for me dc did something pretty cool with that because all these characters fought like badasses i just wish that they were more fleshed out and as badass as ewan mcgregor or margot robbie's characters because if this was a film full of that me being already biased towards the dc universe i would have probably given this a star rating like dom but because it felt a little thin and because i think again margot robbie's character her back must be hurting you know i, I think i can honestly only give this 2.5 stars i am curious wow. to see where it goes but you got a few more films until you lose me. 
unless yeah. we have to do this for the podcast. So, yep. yeah. Which we're going to. So <laughs> saying right so you now. haven't lost me. Just saying <laughs> it right now so that I can break any sort of illusions. We are half going to have. <laughs> so, as a, I guess as like, uh, if I if this was like I was going to watch a film alone at home and it wasn't for the podcast because so much comes out, you got a few more films until you're not even on like my Netflix queue. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm still there for now. Strong characters. Yeah. I'm going to kind of segue off of what you said about how Marvel does their female-oriented films because Captain Marvel felt like it was trying to... I think Marvel was trying too hard to hit that point of these very strong female characters. I think they made it a point to do that and they tried to put it in. They tried way too hard to do it. I felt this movie did it very well. I didn't feel like they were selling me on these female characters. I think they were just straight up badass and it was fun to watch. And I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was being preached to that these characters were badass. They just showed us that they were badass. Going like also, I wanted to talk about how the rated R title for me wasn't hit. I think they should have used a lot more of that room that they had had for making this a rated R film. Like seeing a Deadpool compared to this, although tones are similar, Deadpool took rated R to a new level that this movie never lived up to in that way. There's a few like ACL tears, you know, and then at the end with the grenade, great, great. There's a lot of ACL tears. Yeah, there was probably about six or seven of those. Something like like that. They won't be back for another year. Uh, But you know, it's, I feel like they didn't, live up to that rated R title. I think they you they like hit their check marks of like we had a few injuries in the movie was great. We had a few curse words. Like I think we hit that rated R spot. But I think they had a lot more room to play with that I would have loved to see from a Birds of Prey or Harley like, Quinn movie. Yeah, it's it's funny that you mentioned that actually because I feel like in a way I'm I I always have this problem with rated R properties, which is where I don't like it when specifically again, it's a problem that I've had a, with a lot of R-rated superhero movies specifically with those released by Zack Snyder where mm-hmm. they think that just because they've got an R rating they're like, "Oh yeah, we can go out of our way and show these are not for kids." When really it's like and and it kind of almost ends up making the movies come off as less mature yep. because they're for kids. And I think this movie again very similar to what Deadpool did. I still think Deadpool did it better, but again, similar to what this movie did, which is where it was still able to toe the line between kind of still being that pulpy, fun comic book film while also having that little bit of rated R. Because to me, again, the difference between something like a Deadpool and this versus something like a Logan or a Joker, again, both yeah. very different. Well, again, True. they're all rated R stuff, but you would not think of those movies as being similar at all. You yeah, know? So, I agree. So, Joe, what's your star rating then? If this was a Harley Quinn movie, I would have given it a 4.5. But it's not a Harley Quinn movie. It was a Birds of Prey movie. And for that... No, it is a Harley Quinn movie. It's just called Birds of Prey. It's just called Birds of Prey. And the Birds of Prey are just a plot line for for Harley Quinn. I'm going to give it a 3.8. Because like like you said, Dom, I had a great time watching this movie. I was cracking a bunch of jokes to Chris in the corner. (laughs) Yeah, he was. Um, I hit a very nice... Ewan McGregor didn't have the high ground. And that's why he had lost that fight. It was good. It It was was a nice crack there. But yeah, like... But yeah, the marketing, right? Yeah, it's to me that's that's where it faltered was because if I was seeing a Birds of Prey movie, I would want to see more of the Birds of Prey and, and more of that storyline being fleshed out. But because it was a Birds of Prey movie and not a Harley Quinn movie, I'm rating it a little bit lower. But I did have a great time seeing this movie. And like you're saying, I think they kind of hit their stride a little bit in these past few movies with Shazam and Aquaman and Wonder Woman. I really can't wait to see what happens next. I'm very excited for Batman. I'm very excited for the Suicide Squad with James Gunn, like you said. That's going to be dope. I love that Margot Robbie's going to get another chance. I want to see what's going to happen with the Joker because they, when they mm-hmm. did portray this movie as the Joker, it was the cartoon version, uh, like that was in her bedroom. Yeah, again, it was like you you had the few shots from Suicide Squad. You had, like, but every single shot that had Jared Leto in it. I don't know if they digitally they erased it or they did. They just cut away and just made it. There was all the shots of like the most you saw of him was like the back of his head, but for like. Uh, I'm pretty sure you never saw point his one millisecond. You never once, I think, yeah. saw his face. I caught yeah. glimpses of him, like because there were shots from Suicide Squad where yes. I'm like, okay, I know that he was in those shots. Yeah. So well, you you think about it, but they did a very good job of separating from that because I had never thought. Yes. So you, whoa, whoa, what I tweeted though. So every laugh in this movie was way better than Jared Leto's laugh. The hyena's laugh was a better Joker laugh. Saz's laugh, or Zaz, whatever you say his name, his laugh was better than Jared Leto's Joker laugh. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix's laugh is the most uncomfortable thing I heard last year, and I'd still take that shit over fucking Jared Leto's laugh. Sorry, Jared Leto. I love the guy. It just didn't work out. I wish he had so much more. Someone has to. I like him as a music fan. I like him as a. Sure, he's a good musician and he's a good actor, but he just sounds like a piece of like a pretentious. Okay, so but not not going on a Jared Leto rant. But right, right, right. 
he I wish he had more screen time in, in Suicide Squad to kind of flesh out his character. He sure. did kind of get wronged of, you know, they just kind of dropped him after that. But I think it was because there was so much on the cutting room floor that he didn't get to portray the Joker that he I don't know. Liked. I saw some of those extra ad- deleted scenes. and I wasn't it. sold on it, but it I would have loved to see it more. It Fellas, you know, what the, you know what this all sounds like to me? A conversation for another day. With that being said, Joe, you had brought up Twitter, so why don't we let you take the first steps to getting us out of here? Where can they find more great tweets like that and just keep up with all that you're doing? Uh, If you wanted to, follow me at NYAverageJoe on Twitter. Same thing on Instagram and stuff if you guys want to. Um, I hope I'll be back on this podcast. I had a great time with you guys, so thank you guys for having me on here. Love talking nerd shit with you guys, so just thanks again. Just because of the fact that you're the first guest that thanked us, and did it in such like a, a well done way, you'll be back. You hear that type of gratitude from Pat or Johnny or no. Andrew? No, those, those ass, fucks. Those, those assholes leave us for dead. Fuck Andrew. Like, what are we talking about here? No, I'm just Andrew, I love you, brother. Uh, we'll see if you actually listen to this podcast. That'll like, be the test. Like you just said, it's good <laughs> someone does. It's yeah, good right? someone loves it. Right? Now, so you guys know me. I am Chris, the TV nerd. TVN, don't wear it out. You can find me on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. It's at Christian Ivanko. What do I do? I make music. I make podcasts. You can check out my band, The Stash. Pretty easy. Sounds like you'd spell it. Same with uh, the podcast. It's Talking with Andrew and Chris. And also, right now, Talking TV. But the cool thing about our podcast that we do is we yank that G out there because we want to get right to the point. So it's talking with no G. Dom, tell them where they can find oh, you man. and all I'm the so, other I'm good so glad stuff. there was no string attached to that G because I was about to be like, oh, sh-, or no spot attached to that G because I was about to be like, oh, damn, that's a whole different type of Yankee game that we're talking about here. But, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, this know, is definitely yeah, so an in, order to, yeah, so, <laughs> in order to tie it up. We hit that rated R title. Oh, please. <laughs> We are a rated oh, R podcast. Fucking, so, in order to tie it up, I am, of course, Dom the Movie Nerd. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all under my name on the interwebs that I have had for the last couple of years. Movie Nerd Reviews. You can also find this podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, and unfortunately, not SoundCloud. We don't do SoundCloud, unfortunately. All under the one name, Talking TV, no G, or Talking TV. Podcast. That's it. And so, Chris, can I say my th- can I say my thing? Am I allowed so to say Joe, my thing? I don't know can if I you're say familiar my with this, but Dom has in the first episode he so naturally figured out the greatest way to end this show. Just so like the right just 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 enjoy the ride, Dom. Take it home. Watch more fucking movies, people. We out. <laughs>